for a lot of first-time mums going into labour, don't re- I don't think people really know exactly what they're going to experience, and they might have an idea of what it's going to be like. You know, if you ask 20 mothers whether their experience afterwards was what they expected, I, I'd probably say a lot of them say no. Something like an epidural is not for you. That that's absolutely fine, um, but it's good to sort of know what the options are. Welcome to Tinto Talks, the podcast where mums and experts reveal what you really need to know about motherhood so that you can really trust your instincts. I'm Octavia, a physiotherapist of 10 years and a mother of two. My focus is to empower women through pregnancy and beyond through strengthening their bodies and providing information and therefore choices. I've also recently become an expert for Tinto, an app that I've seen improve mums' lives with fast, trustworthy advice whenever they need it. Welcome to episode two. We're super lucky to have Dr. Dickie Lowe, an anaesthetist, to discuss your options of pain management in labour. What's great about this podcast is we talk about the full range available, from complementary medicine and holistic approaches right through to opioids, so there should be something here for everyone. I hope this helps you in your preparation for birth. Hi. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. So you are currently um, in Australia in a hotel room in quarantine, is that correct? That is correct, yeah. We're, um, we've been here for 12 days now, uh, a couple more days, and then we are released into the wide world. We're out in Perth at the moment, yeah. Amazing, you must be so excited to get out. Oh, really excited, yeah. It's going to be quite different here to the UK, I think, when we do get out. So, yeah, we're really, really looking forward to not being in the confinements of this room which yeah but with your six month old baby <laughs> yeah exactly I mean it's been lovely to spend time with with him um but I think he's also looking forward to um some fresh air so and how is it you've got to where you are now yeah so um so I'm I'm an, an anaesthetic and intensive care specialist um I you know I, I qualified as a doctor back in 2007 um, and I've been working in the sort of specialty of anaesthetics intensive care since 2009. Um, so doing my, my training, uh, which I completed last year in sort of August. Um, so, so yeah, so I've been as part of that, you know, we get involved quite a lot with with the obstetric side. Um, so we work in, in maternity units, obviously providing um, pain relief in labour in the form of sort of epidurals and other bits and pieces. And then also helping with deliveries in theatre, so providing anaesthesia for that sort of thing. Um, so yeah, and then I've come, I've, I've finished my training, um, and rather than sort of um, jumping into a, a long-term job back in the UK, I've decided to come out to Australia and just sort of um, kind of have have a bit of fun and enjoy myself and and see what Australia has to offer for for a year or maybe maybe two. Nice. Yeah, but but in terms of you know for, from the sort of pain relief and labour side of things I've got quite a lot of experience you know I've done a lot you know as part of our training we spend loads of time in in maternity units um, both in the day and at night Um, you know a lot of uh, a lot a lot of our time is is spent there so I've got quite a lot of experience with with that and I've worked in lots of different units as well so I've worked in kind of quite small units Um, for example I worked down in Dorchester which is kind of like a small hospital um, a bit more sort of intimate kind of environment and then I've also worked in really big hospitals. So I worked in Southampton, which is a, a tertiary centre and is a really busy, very busy labour labour ward. And the neonate centre as well, isn't it? That's yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. So I've had had experiences in different places, and different places have different ideas of what what's good and what's not so good, and 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 run slightly differently as well in in terms of the the atmosphere, and 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 that is that's 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 something I, I definitely picked up on in my in my what, like their ethos, you mean? A, a little bit, I think everywhere does the same kind of things. Some are perhaps a little bit more medicalized. Do you think it's because they they're medicalized because they're they're, they're experts and they kind of are trying to kind of put in their their expertise, or is it because they are so busy? and they've got such important cases coming through or is it a bit of both that they're kind of trying to implement you know I think it's a bit of both I think they they have a big throughput there's a lot of women you know these busy units like for example Southampton there's a lot of women going into labour they have you know they've got to get these women through um 
I don't think they necessarily push people to having things that they, you know, they don't want. But I think that, you know, there is a bit more, you know, it's a, it's just busier. And I think, I think that comes with being a bit more medicalized as well. And I think you're right. There is perhaps a bit more specialism there, you know, in terms of the people who work there. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's just a busier unit and it has a slightly different environment. Um, but certainly my feeling was that it's perhaps on a bit more medicalized. And I guess also if you're going to Southampton, unless you obviously live right around there, it might be that you've chosen that place because you are more high risk. So you've got a baby who isn't very well or you've got a complicated pregnancy. So That's right. Yeah, they certainly do take the more complicated mothers and, and, and also more complicated uh, babies as well. So, yeah, there's definitely that, that going on in the background as well. So, yeah, but all units are different. And, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, um, they all do largely the same kind of stuff. You know, they look after mums through their labour, um, uh, be it, you know, however that is. Um, but yeah, but there's definitely different units and slightly different feels to units. Um, yeah. and, and I've certainly seen that along my, along my, along my journey. So we are here to talk today about pain management in labour so we're going to be looking at all of the different options um i think what's really cool about this is that we're going through the whole spectrum so we're not just talking about the medicalized we are going to kind of touch on some of the more holistic and um you know um, alternative approaches as well which i think are really important um to mention and um i guess uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the pros and the cons and um, you know, when you might want to have them and, you know, what some of the risks might be, um, but also what the benefits are as well, which is obviously why one would want to have pain relief in labour because it's pretty painful. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, my, my area especially is more the, the medical side of it, but, you know, I see um, mums coming through and, um, you know, as you said, there are other options. Um, it's not all about the medical side of it. Um, that's, that's definitely not not the case. So, and I've certainly seen what you know what's what's out and about, and what people are doing, and what people are using. And we, you know, we had a baby ourselves only six months ago, so we kind of went through the process of looking into all this. And my wife did quite a lot of reading and research. And had a home birth. And we had a home birth. Yeah, in the end. Um, yeah, which was which was. Um, you know, certainly an interesting experience for me, having been involved in so many births in a in a hospital setting, and then have a have a have a birth in in my own home. So so I've kind of, you know, picked up a few bits along the way with that as well. Amazing. So let's start with talking about what labour actually is. Can you kind of give a brief description of? Yeah, of course, I can. So so labor is um is basically the, the process of delivery of, of the baby and it's actually defined as the onset of regular contractions associated with dilation of the cervix um so basically preparing the birth canal for delivery of the baby um labor's kind of defined in three phases people talk about sort of these three phases of labor um or three stages of labor even so um stage one is kind of regular contractions associated with cervical dilation and then stage two is is actually delivery of the baby and then stage three from that is delivery of the placenta so that's kind of the the, the three stages of labor but uh, that doesn't really include this this what, what is called the latent phase of labor which um, occurs before that um, where women um, you know often actually think they're in 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 labor um, and, and, and have have contractions and painful contractions as well and that can go on for quite quite some time you know a matter of of days even um and and i think frustratingly you know these women feel like they're in labor they're experiencing these painful contractions and then go into their maternity unit and and sort of almost get turned away and say you know you're not in established labor um so so there's that in in the background uh, and that's often um, a stage that's managed in more in the home setting um, so that's definitely sort of worth worth mentioning as well and i guess actually this is where when we get to it maybe this is where your kind of more alternative methods that don't involve actual drugs might be more useful because you are in your home setting you won't have access to the stronger drugs and you know kind of getting those using those techniques that, that, that are available to you, that are free, that are, you know, um, well, they're readily available to you, uh, it, no matter what you're setting, um, that's where you, it would be useful to use the, those methods. 
Um, I, I remember when I when I'd had my first daughter. Um, at the end of it, I was like, I've been in labour for three days, and this woman, this midwife, very unhelpfully unhelpfully said to me, "You haven't been in labour for three days. It's only been about five hours." And I was just like, oh, I'm so angry with her because I'd been contracting and been in pain for literally like two days until the actual point where then we, you know, they broke my waters, and then that bit happened really quickly from there to the birth. Um, so you know, I kind of went through stage one to three really quickly, but it, it the build up to that was was long. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's it. It's really variable as well, and um, you know, it can be quite short that yeah. latent phase, but it can equally yeah. be quite long. Yeah. So so yeah, but yeah, it's definitely painful. And yeah. the thing is, is also is that often it's it can be quite prolonged. So it's more of a marathon, not a, you know, not a sprint. So it's kind of having to try and think about preparing yourself for that and um and as and as as we sort of said you know yeah. one thing i would say is that maternity units are really busy actually you know even the small places you know they are getting busier and certainly my experience recently has been that units are experiencing a bit there is definitely a baby boom going on i think that's only going to get you know going to get worse with with all the lockdown and all that kind of thing so so they are going to be trying to sort of manage you in the home setting for that 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 latent phase more and more um so managing your pain and dealing with with pain is, is going to be something that you have to do in the home setting so it's it's definitely something that needs to be considered and options like epidural aren't available at, you know you can't have an epidural at home um so so that, that that's it talking about the marathon thing um the, i interviewed um val um who's a hypnobirthing um specialist and she was saying how um you it's almost like training for um like a sports event in the sense of like you know you've got to get over that wall you've got to get to that point where you know you think you can't do it anymore and you've got to try and build your mindset so that you can you know get through the, the next stage okay so what is pain then what let's give can you give me a bit of a definition of what pain is yeah so there's lots i mean there's there's lots of different definitions of pain some more helpful than others um the sort of textbook definition from the um, international association for the study of pain is an unpleasant sensory and emotional experience um associated with actual or potential um tissue damage you know that's a really wordy definition um it's it sort of and the word i would pick out from that is is in it's an experience so it's you know it's something different for different people and it's not just sensory it's also an emotional experience as well and i think also the actual and potential you know that it's saying that you know it, as you say like it, it everybody experiences it differently and it can be kind of even you don't necessarily have to have the trauma or the the, the damage to have pain it could be you know totally heightened up by your emotional kind of response and your preparation for it as well your inflammatory state at that point all sorts of different things uh, it's such a personal experience and you know what one person finds painful someone else might not find so painful and and, and, and as you rightly said there's so many um, factors that govern how you experience pain um, you know certainly um, your emotions um, levels of anxiety um, how you're feeling on that particular day you know the environment that you're in um you know even even things like you know if you're if you're feeling cold you know there's so many so many factors that can influence your experience of pain um and and, and they're really important in 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 dealing with pain and 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 factors that need to be considered um in this this process i like um the other quote that you gave that pain is what the patient says it is because i think you know you some people could kind of almost feel or you know maybe the person looking after them might think, oh, well, you know, you, this is only the early stage, this is only the latent phase, you shouldn't be in too much pain right now. And it's actually, if someone's saying they're in pain, you've got to kind of listen to them, understand them and support them through it and see if you can try and help that. And I think that's where, like, your partner or your doula or your midwife who's looking after you really need to kind of be your advocate and support you and, and listen to what it is you're saying to them and therefore provide you what it is you need at that moment to, to get through. A hundred percent, because I, 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 as you rightly said, I think you can optimise the, the, those those influences um, around you. Uh, they're, they're the things that you you perhaps do have some influence on. You know, having having the right person there and and sort of trying to sort of um, reduce your stress levels and your anxieties. Um, 
and, and try and you know have be prepared you know these kind of things are helpful in terms of making the experience as as as, as positive as possible um to help you in dealing with with, with what is a, a painful experience um that, that that that's definitely it so let's get to going through some of the options so we, we like talking about the kind of multimodal kind of impact that you can have on pain like let's talk about some of the self-help stuff that you can do that you know you can prepare for before before you go to birth the self-help stuff is is definitely some of the stuff that's um that's appropriate for sort of as you say sort of the stuff you should be doing at home this is this is things like breathe you know the breathing exercises um uh, trying to optimize the environment um you know small things like having positive um things in the room at home you know you know we we sort of went down to like having pictures of our wedding and you know nice things around us um you know trying to get trying to optimize your frame of mind trying to get in the right kind of uh, you know perhaps some relaxing music um certainly massage is another thing that's very much drilled in um certainly in a lot of the nct classes that we did they were very much you know that's that's something that that can be tried i've um i've put some a link on the show notes which has got um some different techniques for the massage so a lot there's a lot to be said for massaging over the sacrum doing nice smooth kind of um getting the shoulders to relax down because obviously if you're really tensed up that's going to be causing you know build of lactic acid and more tension um and obviously that can be done by your partner or your doula or you know whoever so that's a nice kind of soothing way of doing things as well um, and actually it's the, there is actually evidence showing that it can help with the pain of labor yeah. often with these um more holistic approaches the evidence is patchy and it, it's actually often down to funding because you know no one's going to spend hundreds of thousands of pounds on a massive study to see whether massage works because it you know there's no monetary benefit at the end of it but you know the I, I, I think I think that's it and you know there is a there's lots of studies out there for a lot of these sort of self-help you know these techniques massage whatever often they're quite as you say quite small studies the quality is not always that great um, you know some of them don't actually show necessarily benefit in terms of actual pain but but people still find them helpful in terms of relaxation um and so it's not just you know it, it says pain is so multi-dimensional um so if that's you know perhaps it also exploring you know if something's worked for you in the past you know if you found massage helpful yeah. to relax you then chances are it's probably going to be helpful for you in this this environment as well so and you can combine it with things like aromatherapy so the olfactory stimulation related to aromatherapy is supposed to um like have an immediate reduction in pain as well as kind of changing your mood and blood pressure, skin temperature, brain activity, all sorts of different things. So, you know, you can combine lots of different techniques and then, you know, with the breathing, um, you can be doing box breathing whilst you're having the massages, like going into kind of a trance state of trying to kind of almost meditate and, you know, going into your happy place, as they, they say sometimes, you know. Yeah, so, so sort of talking a bit more about some of the sort of complementary therapies that are not med- medical, you sort of said about... Um, you know aromatherapy I've actually seen that being used you know down in Dorchester one of the midwives was really into aromatherapy and, and was really um, promoting of it and uh, and they, they used it quite you know quite quite avidly down there for for, for, for some some mums um, acupuncture is also out there I haven't actually ever seen that being used but you know some studies actually show that it's it, it's possibly beneficial in terms of reducing even rates of needing um, epidurals um yeah. but 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 i've never i've never seen anyone anyone yeah, use it yeah a lot of it is actually down to the practicality of it so um having you know when you're a laboring mother um in hospital and you need to be upright moving all those sorts of things you know you can use centralized needling down through the the spine but you can also use kind of more command points um such as um uh, large intestine four which is in your hand in between the thumb and the, the forefinger um pericardium six um, which is kind of your in the middle of the wrist and then there's another one um spleen six which is around the ankle the practicality of it is is quite awkward however the evidence for it there was a Cochrane review in 2012 which looks at everything from all the complementaries right the way through to um petadin and all those different things um actually acupuncture had better evidence than petadin and opioids which is mental 
but practically it's just not that easy but you can use um accu pressure points so you don't need needles you can just use pressure on on the areas and i'll again put that in the show notes um yeah. but i think again like the when you look at the nice guidelines it's the language used around things like acupuncture and hypnobirthing all those sorts of things are it's not advised but if women wish to use it then they they should be supported um and i think you know it's again you know you've got drug companies that have got a lot of money going into the evidence behind using these medications for for labor things like pethidine which i know we'll get onto later but they actually have quite a lot of side effects whereas using these kind of more natural um that, that's totally it. it the self-help stuff and the complementary sort of stuff you know there's no there's no real risks as far as i can see or you know there's no real downsides um you know there may not be strong evidence to support some of them but if it works it works it's for you it works for you and 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 so i think definitely people should sort of have a think about it and explore it if, if, you know if, 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 they, if they want to Exactly. It's nice just knowing different things like that one on the hand. You can literally just press it and release, press it and release. And actually, like that can be kind of quite instant. You know, the, it just, you know, I mean, even if it's just the point that it's actually quite uncomfortable pressing it, so you're taking the, 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 the focus away from the part that hurts. But yeah, it's um, it shouldn't be poo pooed. The, the, the other one that I, I, I would certainly mention in this sort of section is 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 that of what's called TENS, yes. which is, is called transcutaneous um, electrical nerve stimulation, which is quite widely used, um, which basically sort of goes back to sort of, um, it's, it's basically sort of trying to modulate pain or change the way we experience pain. Um, sort of if you think about if you if you bang yourself and you, you try and rub it better, it kind of works in the same kind of way, but using an electrical, a, 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 an electrical current, a, lo, a low voltage electrical current. Um, so it's normally applied um, via pads, normally to the, to the back, normally four pads. Um, and it's and it stimulates. So it's kind of like a tingling stimulation on the back. Um, and there's various different settings on it. Um, and it, as I said, it basically tries to modulate the transfer of pain from your, from your womb um, to, to your brain where you experience pain and try and try and re- reduce that pain. Yeah, they, they are great. And I think, you know, you can hire them and they it's it's a really nice thing to use, um, you know, in the early stages at home. And, you know, if you, um, you know, whilst you're still up and moving around, obviously, if you want to have a water birth and you can't use it in the water, um, I'm yeah. pretty obvious, but um, <laughs> and then um, but yeah, it's um, but then again, interestingly, when you look at some of the evidence, acupuncture has actually got yeah. better evidence than tens. And also the other thing, which I think um, I can't remember what you mentioned, but uh, um, going back to acupuncture, um, it if you apply pressure to those points, it has shown shorter labour time, less use of augmentation with oxytocin, and also reduced risk of delivery with a C-section or or um, an instrumental delivery. So. You know all these different techniques um and i guess the, the other biggie that we haven't mentioned is hypnobirthing and i think this kind of covers yeah. all of it really because really what this yeah. is talking about is preparation it's mental preparation um having a really good understanding of what it is that you're about to go in for and then doing yeah. some kind of kind of almost like training of the mind and, and your emotions and your your anxiety and 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 getting yourself as well prepared emotionally which hopefully will then have an impact on how you you tolerate the pain during the labour. Exactly, and I think there's certainly an element of relaxation and distraction with some of these techniques. You know, even some of the medical techniques that we'll come onto later. There is an element of um, taking you away from from the pain. You know, taking you to another place in some ways. Um, yeah. You know, whether you know, and, and that that is true of 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 that kind of hypnosis and hypnobirthing t- type uh, mantra as well. Is 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 that kind of idea uh, as well to, in terms of dealing with the pain incredible well i think that kind of leads us on quite nicely then to getting into your area of expertise which is getting getting the drugs out <laughs> so when it gets too much and you you're in well actually some of them can be used at home still so let's start on the the nice gentle stuff so um let's start about with um paracetamol you know the things you're going to have in your cupboard so paracetamol and yeah, paracetamol, uh, widely available, can be used in labour. Um, evidence not very strong for its pain relief in labour, actually. Um, but it's 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 there. It's a, it's a mild painkiller. Why doesn't it work? Is it because it doesn't target the right um, kind of area, or is it that it's just too weak and it just doesn't touch the side? <laughs> 
I'm not sure exactly. Just looking at the evidence, you know, it is a painkiller. It does, it does, it does, it does work for pain, um, but the studies don't support, don't really support its use. So um, it, it's there. It's used. People do give it. Um, certainly at home, you know, that's certainly a, a, something that you might, you, you can, you can try. Um, but it, it may not overcome your your pain. Um, but it, but it's there. Um, so that's one thing. Um, ibuprofen not used at all in in in, in pregnancy. Um, useful afterwards. Um, um, it has potential risks to the to the baby, so is 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 not used. Um, so those are kind of the, the drug treatments at home, really. Um, nitrous oxide, which is gas and air, um, is kind of the next um, next step up now generally used in the hospital setting i mean we're sort of going into the hospital setting however I, I, you know we had gas and air available at our our home birth so it is something that can be bought into the home in cylinders um and, and used um used at home um as i said it's pretty pretty widely available um it can be used like throughout labor um yeah you normally have a sort of mouthpiece um you inhale the the drug it's a it's a mixture of nitrous oxide 50 percent with with oxygen 50 percent um and as i said you have a mouthpiece you, you you breathe it in and it works um it actually works in, in in the brain it's it's got an analgesic property but it's also an anesthetic as well um and i think as i said before you know there's definitely an element of distraction and relaxation and having control over your you know having something to help with control over your pain and you use it whilst you're having the contraction is that right whilst it's building yeah so there's definitely a bit of a technique with with using gas and air so its peak onset is around about 30 to 50 seconds um so it's something that you you need to use during your, you know at the starting at the start of your contraction um normally takes around 10 breaths to sort of get it up to sort of peak peak concentration um the breaths need to be slow and deep um and and as i said need to start you know almost at the start of your contraction so that when your contraction is peaking you're getting the peak peak sort of benefit of, of nitrous oxide um the one thing also is to not use it when you're not having a contraction you you, you see um you know it almost becomes like a bit of a safety blanket and people sort of just end up breathing on it all the time and that's that's what you need to avoid doing because actually you don't get the benefit of the drug if you're just constantly breathing on it and also you're subjecting yourself to the side effects of, of, of the drug which are what yeah so it, it can make people people feel drowsy it can make people feel disorientated it's associated with nausea and sickness as well yeah, some people hate it don't they yeah, exactly. Um, there is actually you can also get loss of consciousness with it. It's it really rare though, but um, you know it's really safe. It's safe for the mum. It's safe for the baby. There's no real majorly harmful effects um, for, for short-term use in in pregnancy. Some people like you know it's really beneficial. They find it really you know really good. Some people absolutely hate it. Um, it's also quite drying as well. It's dry gas, so it's quite drying. Um, you know you can end up contributing to sort of dehydration if, you, if you're just sucking on it all the time and they can they often take it away when you get to the pushing phase don't they i remember i was very upset when they took mine away <laughs> i think i think they, they 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 don't always i think they want people to be coherent um during the pushing phase so that you can so there's that dialogue between the midwife and, and the mother um so that's 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 often why um but yeah, but you see people coming into theatre, you know, still using their gas and air. You know, it can be used used throughout. And the good thing about it is that it's so quick onset, quick offset. If you don't yeah. like it, you just you can you can just stop it, and it, it's kind of gone. It's gone so quickly from your your body. Um, so yeah, so that's that's definitely uh, you know, it's a good one. A, a good one, yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um, interestingly, not used as much in America. Because they're all whipped off for a C-section. <laughs> they have higher epidural rates um yeah. but 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 it's not it's not as it may be a cultural thing as well but it's 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 used more you know it's used so it's so widely used in the uk yeah and i think um for whatever type of birth it is that you want many women would be very happy to have um gas and air whereas i think you know it, it's not it's you know it's not kind of getting into those like more intensive interventions and I, I think the one thing that I forgot to say at the start was that, for a lot, you know, 
for a lot of first-time mums going into labour, you know, don't I don't think people really know exactly what to what they're going to experience, and they might have an idea of what it's going to be like. But I don't think I think you know if you ask twenty mothers whether their experience afterwards was what they expected, I, I'd probably say a lot of them say no. It's it's unpredictable as well. It's it's you can't you you can't predict how your your labour's going to be this is part of the reason why i'm doing these podcasts is because you know i think people don't talk about it and they you always you never hear the birth stories until you've had the baby and i think that's too late by then you and not that we want to put the fear of god into people but what we want to do is prepare people so that they understand that you know it could be painful and it could last a long time and that you know and then they can put in those coping strategies and i think it's really important and then you're not shocked or disappointed or you know feel like a failure when things don't go exactly to plan and something you said earlier um or you mentioned sorry when we were discussing it before was um you know have have a plan um uh but just don't be too prescriptive and know that it can go in any way and i think if you have a plan hopefully the reason why you have a plan is because you have an understanding and so those two hopefully should prepare you better but you know i think it's yeah having it having too prescriptive a plan to me it just seems like it's setting yourself up for some some level of disappointment um you, it, there has to be a degree of flexibility you know fine you know if if, if one intervention you know if something like an epidural is not for you that that's absolutely fine um but it's good to sort of know what the options are you know um i think you should never rule out anything because you just don't know like i think anyone who you know i said oh, i don't want forceps and you know i didn't want an epidural and I was pushing and pushing and pushing, trying not to get, as in, as in not pushing actual the baby, but as in that I was really kind of holding off having the epidural. But, you know, actually, by the time I ended up having it, I was so exhausted and my body had gone into spasm. So my neck was hurting. Everything hurt. Like my whole body was in agony because I'd been in pain so long that I was so tense that even when I had the epidural, A, I don't think it worked very well, but B, I'd kind of gone past the point of, you know, I, if I just had it a little bit earlier and just said, you know what, I'm not progressing. I'm two days in of my latent phase and I'm only two centimetres. Maybe I need to just give myself a bit of a break, you know, because I had I'd had everything. I'd had the pethidine. I'd had this and, and, and I wasn't allowed anything else except paracetamol, which I tell you was not touching the side. <laughs> um, so, you know, and I think like I just I was so stubborn about it. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was silly. It was really silly. Um, so yeah I think you're right I think you know you just I think you know you don't know what's going to happen and if you need forceps to get that baby out yeah. if you're terrified of it you're going to tense up and you're not going to be able to support the the reason why you're having the forceps delivery um, whereas if you understand why you would use the forceps that you're going to have an episiotomy that you can still guide the baby out and it doesn't need to be this dragging action you know like that it can be done in a much better way I'm Idia and I'm the co-founder of Tinto, the app for fast, trustworthy answers for mums and experts who really know their stuff. It's simple, really. When you've got a question at 3am that just can't wait, ask a Tinto mum. If your question is a bit more complex, ask a Tinto expert. We've got experts who specialise in feeding, sleeping, pelvic floor, mental well-being, and so much more. So. Download the Tinto app for free today and I'll let you get back to the good stuff for now. Uh, I, my, the next kind of level I, I've got down is kind of moving on to the, the, the opiate drugs. Um, so the, these are the kind of essentially the mor- morphine-based drugs. I'd, I'd say the most sort of commonly known about is, is pethidine. Um, it's 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 licensed for use um, by midwives, so it's kind of quite it's so widespread um, in, in its use. But there's other drugs around, so so morphine is used as well. Um, diamorphine is 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 another one, and actually that's that's becoming more uh, you know its use is becoming more widespread. Um, but yeah, but but as I said, pethidine is the one that you hear about so commonly. It's it's normally given via an injection um, in in a muscle, so in the leg or in the bo- in the bottom. Um, occasionally, in early labour, they might give you might give it you orally, so some or- oral morphine. 
Um, so yeah, so, so so that's that's kind of what it is. It's it's a strong it's a strong painkiller. Um, it normally works within about thirty minutes, um, and the effects last a few hours. I was going to say this is the one that technically isn't supposed to have a huge amount of impact on pain, but I think from my own experience of it, I just remember just falling asleep, which for me was just a godsend. Um, and you know, I it definitely relaxed me, and it 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 took the pain away for a brief period of time because I was asleep. So. Um, you know, or, or out of it, I don't know which which it was, you know, but it, I was. It definitely made things better. But again, the evidence behind it is 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 isn't huge, and the side effects for the you and the baby are quite marked, aren't they? It sounds yeah. I mean, it, it sounds awful, doesn't it? Um, you know, some of the some of the evidence sort of suggests that perhaps it's not actually that good as a painkiller in in labour. Um, some studies do do support it as a painkiller in labour though. Um, and, and women definitely get benefit from it. You know, some, not all, but some women really do, you know, get some serious benefit from it, whether that's, you know, some, by some of the side effects, you know, it is, it is, it is sedating. Um, and, and, and sometimes that just gives someone some relief from, relief. from, from the pain. Well, exactly. And I think it's what you look at, isn't it? So if you're saying, has your pain, your score of pain gone down from 10 to 7 or from, you know, 8 to five or whatever or are you saying do you feel more comfortable at this point now are you unless you know do you feel happier in this situation than you did 10 minutes ago before i gave it to you so you know there will definitely be an impact on having a strong opioid you know whilst you're you know getting contractions every three minutes so yeah i think so i mean side effects you know everyone you know it's quite well known that opiate drugs do have quite a wide side effect profile um, so it can cause, it does cause nausea and sickness, and often anti-sickness drugs are needed as well to sort of combat that. Um, we talked about sort of sedative effects and sort of drowsiness um, for, for, for mums, and sometimes that's much more marked um, in in some some women. If there's, what do you think? Is, is that like if they were smaller, or if the dose, you know, or what might make it marked, or is it just your tolerance? You know, the population is different. Some people metabolize the drug quicker. Some people have more marked effects. You know, it's, it's um, you know, it affects people differently. Um, some more marked than others. Uh, and, and, and so, so yeah, so some people might, might see more of the side effects. Yeah, but, but certainly occasionally it can be quite, quite sedating. Um, some people find real benefit from it. So it's, it's a bit of a spectrum. It, the one thing that you have to be careful with any of these opiate drugs is that you know it does cross the, the placenta and does have a, a, you know effect on on the baby. Um, so the the team needs to be really careful on you know when they give you know they won't give it you know really late on into your labour because of the worry of it you know causing those kind of same side effects on the baby. So like sed, you know sedation and and sort of um, making the baby drowsy. Um, so. So, so that's another another aspect to it. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, so some but some people find it helpful. So, how many doses can uh, you have, and over what period of time? So it's normally given um, every four every four hours. Um, so you know it's probably going to be at most a couple of doses. Um, you're probably not going to be using it more, fre- more more often, more frequently than that. Because of the risk so, to the baby. Yeah, and I think you know it's you know by and large that should should get you through your your hopefully get you through your labour. I always find it mental how you're not even allowed you're not allowed anything in pregnancy. You're not allowed a drink, you're not allowed this, not allowed that, and then right at the end you can just have a massive dose of opioids. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> um, the, the, the other one that I would touch on is 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 another drug called called remifentanil, which. There's this thing called a remifentanil PCA. PCA stands for patient controlled analgesia. So re- this 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 is a sort of relatively new thing in in sort of the the, the labour wards, probably in the last sort of five years, maybe a bit longer. Um, so it's 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 the same. It's an opiate drug. It's it's very 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 potent opiate drug, um, and it's really really sh- uber short acting. Um, so it can be used. Um, you get connected up to a to a drip with with a button, and essentially you press the button, and it gives you a very you know small dose of this drug, remifentanil. Um, so you kind of time it with your with your contractions, 
um, and it gives you a, 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 it gives you pain relief for your contractions. Um, now this is not available at, at all uh, maternity units. Um, it's it's sort of been considered a bit of a sort of higher risk intervention, um, and not all of the units have taken it on board. Um, it again has some um, some um, nuances and difficulties. You know, it has to be given by a dedicated drip. There has to be a midwife in the room at all times. Um, you know, they have to put oxygen. You know, have to monitor your oxygen levels. I mean, the drug is so powerful that it can sort of essentially slow down or stop you breathing um, for a short period of time. So it's it's really powerful. Um, I've I've seen it used in in one maternity unit, and you know, it is it is available. It's definitely out there. It's great for people who perhaps want an epidural but can't have an epidural for for whatever reason. Um, what would that be? Someone like with spina bifida or yeah yeah i mean there's there's various different me- uh, reasons why why someone couldn't have a, have an epidural i mean they're not that common um but but certainly you know this is an option for for those 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 mums um but yeah so it's it's something that's out there it's 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 very good um it's a good alternative to an epidural um some people who have it still go on to have an epidural so it's the pain relief from it is not is not complete yeah. um and some people, you know, as with anything, you know, some people find it better than, than others. And as I said, there's, you know, there's, there is caution with it because it's such a powerful drug. It needs to be carefully monitored. It's set up by an anaesthetist. It has to be monitored by, it's used to monitor by an anaesthetist. And there's a degree of monitoring with it as well. So, uh, Which obviously when you're in a busy, busy unit, it's not ideal. The unit has to be set up to, 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 to engage with it. And as I said, some units haven't, haven't done that um but yeah but you you can certainly inquire about that if if if, if it sort of um sounds like something you'd be interested in um fine so i guess that takes us nicely onto the epidural next yeah epidurals yeah so oh god i can't I can't think how many of these i've done in my in my time but i was reading you know about quarter of, of births in the uk have have an epidural in america it's 66 percent it's quite high um but so I, like I mean, what is an epidural? It's 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 a it's a sort of it's a procedure that is done by an anaesthetist. Um, it involves having an in, an injection in the, in, the, in the lower part of your back, um, which we normally do under local anaesthetic, um, and the needle goes between the bones in the back, um, and we we leave a tiny plastic tube um, in the back near to where the nerves are that kind of supply the womb and the birth canal. Um, so it's all done in sort of a sterile, aseptic kind of way. Um, you, you can have it done sitting normally, uh, but you can also have it done lying down. Um, and then once this this um, epidural, the, the tube is in, in place, we give um, local anaesthetic medicines via the tube in around the back and around the nerves to have a numbing effect on the womb um, during labor and on the birth canal um, for delivery of the baby um so yeah so it's the, the good the, the kind of positive side is it's kind of like a it's clean it's um you know it's a numbing it, the way it works is it's it's numbing so it's not sedating um so that's one of one of the, the the good things about it um it's also the most you know the most effective form of pain relief in labor a, a, a work a good working epidural you will still feel contractions, but they, sh- they they will just feel like tightenings. Um, so it's 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 really effective. It won't take away all sensation, um, what's you know everything, but but it certainly is is quite a marked effect. And what, what when you have one that you can titrate up and down, what's that? Is... Um, so I interviewed another mother who had a button that she could press, but she had an epidural. She was being induced, but then she would press yeah. the button, and then as she got nearer and nearer towards labour, she would. She was asked to kind of stop pressing it so that she could then have more kind of control. So normally when the epidural is put in place, um, it gets connected up to kind of like a drip um, of local anaesthetic that runs into the back and and runs continuously to try and keep the nerves um, numbed, essentially. Um, Most places have a a button uh, that gives you a booster and, and... and the epidural space where the where the where the tube is is kind of like a cylinder, and the more of the local anaesthetic you put in, the sort of higher up the, the you know the, the higher up the the the, the block the the numbing effect goes. So, 
Um, so there is a level of sort of titrating it to, 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 to effect, and that's that's something that we spend a lot of time um, doing. Um, it, it, it takes a bit of time to do, so it, you know it takes about half an hour, 20, 20 30 minutes to put it in. Um, it's not yeah. it's not normally painful to put it in. You know we put local anaesthetic in, um, and, and most mums don't find it painful. Um, also, when it's in place, it doesn't actually work instantaneously. Um, it takes another sort of half an hour to, to work. Um, That's good to know, just from an expectations point of view. Yeah, but but once it's in, it's it's it stays in for the duration of your labour. And and the other sort of benefit of having an epidural is that if you did need to have a procedure done um, in theatre, you know. Um, Quite often, the epidural can be used to provide anaesthesia for, for example, even a cesarean section. Um, so, so it does have that kind of added, um, added benefit. Uh, um, what, what are the, what are the risks like when you're actually putting the needle, you know, the epidural in? Are there, you know, what, what's the chance of kind of nerve damage and things like that? Uh, you know what, you know, there are, you know, there's some really serious risks with epidurals. What I would say is they're really, really rare. So the things that, you know, the really serious things are things like um, nerve injury, um, bleeding around the nerves, something called epidural hematoma, or actually introducing infection um, in, in the back around, around these nerves. Or, Terrify everyone. I mean, that is, that is vanishingly rare. You know, sort of, we sort of think about it like if everyone in, in, in a town had an epidural, sort of one person might might get something something along that kind of line so it's it's vanishingly rare it is out there um it's definitely something to be aware of okay but it's not something to worry about and epidurals are really yeah. really safe intervention you know we, we 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 do a lot of epidurals and and we don't see um we rare you know really rarely see um significant complications with them that's definitely uh, what every mother wants to hear on, on a more practical basis you know the one thing i would say with epidurals is that um you know um they don't always work perfectly first time so about one in ten sort of um doesn't doesn't give completely effective pain relief and and occasionally we have to completely redo it um but as i said when they work well which is which is by and large um they are very effective uh, and, and 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 can transform you know can transform a, a mum from from you know being quite significant pain to being really very comfortable and being able to sleep there is a risk of causing a, a, a really significant headache with an epidural it happens about one in a hundred times it's definitely something to be aware of um, the other more sort of practical things are it can make your blood pressure go down so that's something that's monitored quite closely um, around the time when you have the epidural put in and um, in terms of kind of a walking epidural that you know a lot of women would like if they could have an epidural because obviously then they don't get the pain but they still get to manage you know being upright and kind of trying to encourage that downward motion of the baby what how do you kind of encourage that and um when can you have that walking epidural is it the same or is it a different type i think i th i think this is a bit of a it's a bit of a myth i'm, I'm afraid Oc, i have I think I think there is this, this this description of a mobile epidural. I think the reality of it is that it's it it doesn't doesn't happen in a lot of units. I think most people are um, signing themselves up to being being um, in bed um, and being quite closely monitored with um, you know from sort of their you know from the mother side of things, looking at the blood pressure and that kind of thing, but also with the um, CTG monitoring the baby. Um, yeah. So that's a strap round the tummy, isn't it? But you can also have um, they can put a little um, little I don't even know what it's called, like a monitor on the baby's head. A little clip on the on the baby's head sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Um, you know, you'll need you'll need to have a drip put in your hand to have an epidural, and 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 it has a numbing effect. So it it does numb the nerves that supply your bladder, and so there's a good chance that you're going to end up needing a urinary catheter once you have the epidural put in place. Is it because people, like, is it that if you have your epidural put in earlier, you're more likely to be able to be up and mobile, or if you have it later? Because the lady that I interviewed who had the epidural for two of her three births was definitely standing and squatting and all sorts, and, but she had it in as soon as she got into hospital, she was induced, and before they even gave her the induction drug, she had the epidural. 
Do you think that makes an impact? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, we use quite weak um, local anaesthetic in the epidurals, and and so the effect on the muscles uh, and the movement of the legs is 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 you know shouldn't be affected early on. But over time, the longer you run an epidural, the more numbing effect um, it has on the on the the nerves that supply sort of you know the muscles of the leg essentially. Uh, and so over time, those legs you know your legs do get a bit uh, a bit numb and a bit weak. And then in terms of like if you are in bed, which, you know, um, most of these women are, you're going to be yeah. needing assistance to roll from side to side. You're going to most likely deliver on your back with your potentially with the legs up and stirrups. Is that correct? I think so. You're, you're not you're not completely immobile in bed. Absolutely not. You know, you should have you should have movement of your legs. And, and, and if you've got if you're getting to the stage where you can't move your legs, then that's something that needs to be checked out. Um, um, but you know you're not you're not immobile but i just think the idea of sort of you know w- you know walking around the, the the ward with your epidural in is is isn't really the reality and actually a lot of people end up being quite closely you know it's more monitored and and having yeah. you know we said the ctg and and all these things kind of make it difficult for you to sort of um get around uh, out of bed and that kind of thing so yeah i just i think it doesn't happen um as perhaps some people think I think um, the other, and again, this is a really obvious comment to make, but you can't have an epidural if you're having a water birth as well. So, um, no. yeah, it, it has to be. Um, but are you allowed pethidin if you have a water birth? Are you allowed opioids if you're in the water? Um, they were, I mean, I think it's a bit of a judgment call. I would say I, I wouldn't think they would give you pethidin whilst you're in, in it, having you know in in the water. No, absolutely not. Um, it's, it's trying to look out for your, you know, mum's safe. Yeah. Certainly mums have had pethidin and then gone on to need an epidural. And I'm sure mums who've had pethidin are perfectly capable of being being in, in, in the yeah. water. Um, in terms of epidurals, there's, there's not very many reasons why people can't have an epidural. You know, there's a few things you said about spina bifida. There's certain types of back surgery that might make, you know, might preclude an epidural. And then there's there's um, there's a few other reasons people having problems with blood clotting um, is another thing. So certainly if you've got preeclampsia or any of the syndromes associated with that, they, you know, it can um, stop, you know, you can't, sometimes your blood clotting is not adequate um, to have an epidural and that's something. Low platelet counts as well, is that right? That's right. So low platelet counts normally associated with preeclampsia, but it's, it's quite unlike, it's quite unlikely um so but it's it, it's there and sometimes they need to just check the blood tests before before we put an epidural in and when is too late to have an epidural because this is always the uh obviously you've got to make sure that the anaesthetist there because if you've got an emergency you might be waiting for a while but in terms of like you know they, they often you know sometimes you hear that women have been told that they that it's too late to have an epidural when is when is officially too late like when when is it, is it as the baby's crowning or you know yeah. I, I think yeah i think by the time the baby's sort of on its way as you say um i think you know the, it's just not you're not going to get the benefit of an epidural as i said it takes half an hour to do you have to you have to be able to sort of sit reasonably still i mean you can have your contractions and we try and work around contractions um in, you know that's what we we, we do um but yeah, I think I think if, if baby's on its way, I think you're not going to get the benefit of having an epidural and you're actually putting the mum at risk from having an epidural in that kind of situation. Um, you know, if someone's, you know, late on, still in labour, things are, you know, nine centimetres and in a lot of pain, we will do our absolute best to try and get an epidural in and try and help with, with pain if that's what the mum wants. But it has to be, has to be safe and they have to have the chance to get some benefit from it. I have put in a number of epidurals and the baby is, is, you know, sort of almost been delivered, you know, the change in position to get them in position yeah. for an epidural. And it's, I don't know, it's always a bit disappointing, but it, it's, it's one of those, you know, I've done it so many times um, because the pain changes as well. So um, sort of labor contractile pain is what we say is sort of more visceral pain. It's kind of from deep within um uh sort of the same kind of pain that you associate with you know if you get a crampy tummy pain it's kind of that kind of pain um whereas actual delivery of of, of the baby is is what what it is more sort of it, what we say is somatic pain it's kind of um very much more um defined 
um, and it's a different type of pain and, and the pain intensity is, 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 is greater I'd say as well so quite often when women are about to give birth they um, they kind of the pain changes and they often ask for an epidural and and actually it's it's, it's baby coming um, so so yeah so so too late it's it's not set in stone um, but certainly you know the, you know it's got to be worthwhile um, the other thing I was going to say is um, if you know you want to have an epidural it's definitely worth mentioning it early because you know there's often one anaesthetist on the unit and they may well be doing other things, doing other epidurals or might be in theatre and might be in theatre for a you know, period of time. Um, so it's worth knowing about if you if that's something definitely that you want um, so that we can be we can be aware. And we try and get people within sort of half an hour normally um, to, to, to do an epidural for them. Um, but yeah, but if you, if you know you want one, it's definitely worth piping up and, and sort of making your midwife or whoever um, aware of that, just to, to give us a bit of a heads up as well. Mm. And what about um, for a C-section then? So if you're going in for a C-section, is that the same or is that something different? It's not really pain relief and labour now, but it's definitely worth talking about, isn't it? It's If you're coming into theatre for anything, um, if you've got an epidural, there's a fair chance that we will try and use it if that epidural is working well, and and that will be something that we will we will assess um, before you, before you come down to theatre. But if you don't have anything on board, um, we will generally try and do what's called a spinal anaesthetic, um, because we like to keep um, we we don't generally give people general anaesthetics um, in, in these kind of situations um, for a number of reasons, mainly because um, the mums want to be awake and experience you know the birth of their child, um, and also you know. General anaesthetics are generally well felt to be less, you know, not as um, safe when someone is is heavily pregnant. So we try and avoid it for a number of reasons. Um, but yeah, so our default will normally be to do a a, a spinal block, which is it's kind of similar in a way. It's, it's essentially the same as as an epidural in, in in the sense that it's a procedure. It's an injection in the lower part of your back done under local anaesthetic. Um, it's a tiny little needle. Um, it, it, we, we don't leave anything in your back and we just put a, um, uh, a small amount of local anaesthetic in the fluid that bathes the nerves. Um, so it's, it's very quick acting. So it's like a quick acting epidural and, and the effects are, you know, occur over sort of five to 15 minutes. Um, it, the legs go completely heavy. You won't be able to move your legs. Um, and we normally sort of want, you know, um, numbness up to, up to your boobs essentially. So it's quite an odd, um, an odd experience for for mums. Um, mm, it definitely is, yeah. So yeah, it's a very very strange sensation and feeling. Um, and as I said again, you know, you still get some sensation. Like people still feel, you know, if you're having a cesarean section with a spinal, you still will feel some um, sensations, tugging, pulling. A bit like when you have, you know, you have your mouth numbed at the dentist. You still kind of know loosely what's going on up there, but it's it's not painful. Um, so it's a really it's an odd experience. Yeah, my my consultant explained it like um, somebody rummaging around in your handbag. So like when they're in, in, and it's so true. You kind of just feel there's like tugging and pulling, and it can be especially with the C-section. The baby's you know in a bit of an awkward position, and the the hole that they cut is so tiny, and they're really kind of pulling you around to get in there. Yeah, it's 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 really it's a really effective technique. You know, it, you know. You know, it sounds awful. You know, you have some sensation, but it, it's 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 not pain. It's literally just tugging. Yeah. Yeah, as you say, it's like rummaging. It's, it's you know, there's, there's obviously risks attached, as as with anything that's done in in you know in med any medical procedure. You know, the risks are really small. They are kind of the same as that of having an epidural. And then general anaesthetics, as I said, you know, if we can't for whatever reason give you um uh, an epidural or a spinal block for a, you know if you if you can't have that for a cesarean section um, or whatever is needed in, in theatre, then um, our default would be to go for a general anaesthetic. And we have to do it occasionally. You know, if, if, if for some reason the spinal anaesthetic hadn't worked, that's that's another reason. Or you couldn't have a spinal anaesthetic, then then our, we may may need to do a general anaesthetic. Um, but it's not, not very common. No, it must be quite... Um traumatic um having that because i mean it's quite a process going through birth and i think it's it's you know being pregnant and becoming a mother or having a baby is such a 
transformation and I think at least being awake to feel or see it happen is really important in processing it like I just find the idea of you know being asleep and then suddenly being handed a baby like it must psychologically be quite hard to kind of process you know it's when there's significant concern for either mum or baby and when you know something needs to happen quickly um sometimes an epidural or spinal is not going to be possible and and therefore um we go for a general anesthetic and you know it happens from time to time and it's to try and um save lives <laughs> well, to do things safely and, and to to get baby out quickly and 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 and, and, and that's important so uh, you've written down here that afterwards you might have a bit more pain why would you have more pain afterwards so um if you have a cesarean section and you have a spinal that spinal will last for a, a number of hours um, and will provide you with very good pain relief for um, four to six you know, four to six hours um, because because the area is completely numbed and we also put some long-acting painkiller in the mix with this you know for, for the spinal um, that sort of works over about a 24-hour period um, is that the suppository no, we tend to use some opiate medication in the in the um, in the mix with the local anaesthetic for the spinal because there are recept- opiate receptors in the spinal cord, and so we know that that it, doing that kind of gives longer acting um, pain relief for 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 a cesarean section. Um, we also, as you as you rightly said, do often use suppositories of, of sort of non-steroidals, like a bit like ibuprofen as well. But but if you haven't had an epidural or a spinal, and you've just had it, you've gone and had a general anaesthetic, you haven't got any of that on board. So we have to use other medications, and that's you know we use a, a, in a multimodal way, um, you know paracetamol, an ibuprofen type medication, often in the form of a suppository, and then opiate drugs. You know normally. Um, something like morphine um, through the drip to try and get the mum comfortable for after the operation. Um, sometimes we also put um, injections in the sides to try and um, like local. What, what? Yeah, what's called a, a, a sort of like a nerve, a nerve block. Um, um, we can try and help with with pain in that in that respect as well. It's, it's often not as effective and and um, and as, as a, you know. It, said if you have a spinal often you know people have no pain straight afterwards at all and and for for a number of hours afterwards i i guess this kind of leads on quite nicely to the kind of postpartum experience and i think um you know knowing that you might still need the pain relief afterwards but especially if you have a c-section um you know whilst you're on the ward those first two days are you know are pretty intense and i think um you know, I've had a couple of friends who um, have either been not written up for the right medication or weren't given the anti-inflammatory suppository. And I think if you are yeah. in the in um, in that experience and finding that your pain isn't being well managed, it's really important to speak up because your pain should be managed and it's perfectly possible to manage it. And I think, um, you know, I think if they're saying, oh, you've had everything you can have, I would just kick up a bit of a fuss because it's worth, it's always like, the next day that they say oh well actually gosh we didn't realize that you weren't written up for something or whoops sorry we forgot to give you your suppository so i think you know if if it's unbearable speak yeah. up that's absolutely right i think if you're not happy say something because people won't automatically assume, you know they won't automatically necessarily ask although they should you know pain relief afterwards it, it's kind of a bit dependent on what you've had done um, obviously if you've had a cesarean section that's going to be more painful than if you've had a vaginal birth um but you know again we sort of say you know pain is different for different people um certainly the clean stuff you know the paracetamol the ibuprofen use them regularly initially you know and, and they should be written up for you regularly certainly if you've had a cesarean section um because we know that you know we, we like to tackle pain uh, in, a, in a sort of multimodal way we like to tackle it in different areas but also pain management's accumulative so if you just take you know one when it gets bad you're not going to get the same benefits as if you keep taking it every four hours as prescribed you know keeping the pain at a nice low level rather than kind of allowing it to ramp up again which then makes it much harder to get back down again absolutely and the other thing is if you had had if you had had a spinal or an epidural for your for example c-section as i said it will wear off in a, in the space of four to six hours so it's worth having those painkillers on board so that they're in the system and working 
um, for when that does happen. And then normally, um, you know, the, the sort of after that, it's kind of onto the opiate drugs and they, they're often written up for um, for you. Um, but you do have to ask for them um, should, should you need um, be, because you want to be able to be getting up and about and, and sort of looking after baby. And if you yeah. do that, then that's something's not right. Um, you know, and, and that needs to be addressed. I don't know, how did you find your caesarean op? Did we? Well, I mean, after ours, it was hilarious. When the, when they come and do the drug rounds, they'd be like, does anyone want any pain meds? And everyone was like, yeah! <laughs> it was just like the most hilarious drug round. All the women were like yeah. really happy and they were brilliant. They, you know, they were there yeah. every four hours on the hour giving us all the drugs. And, you know, yeah. it, it definitely felt well managed. But I mean, it really did shock me how much the the c-section really you know i mean the first two days at least i was like severely limited and you know even having a shower i would come over in a cold sweat and you know have to go and lie back down again like you know i don't think i had any kind of inkling about how much you know it is major major surgery but you know i was i did have good pain management so i you know thankfully um you know it was tolerable but it was still even though it was tolerable it was still incredibly limiting and i think you know that's the sort of thing that you need to be aware of um, and prepare for but then even going home you know getting the baby um, to, to feed her at night it was just so awkward like getting out of bed picking her up getting back on the bed with the baby like you know I definitely had to get my husband to help and you know getting the you can't even do little simple things like lean forwards and reposition yourself on the pillow it was you know the it, it the pain is there for a good you know week or so and and then you know, every day it gets better and better and better. And but you you just got to respect it. Yeah, I think if things aren't getting, I mean that's that's the natural progression. Is things should be getting better. You know, the first couple of days. You know, speaking, my wife had a vaginal birth and she she said you know exact same thing. She was in quite a lot of pain, um, even just getting up and about. Um, but but yeah, if things aren't getting better, then that's definitely another reason to sort of speak up if 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 you're not happy. Yeah, and I, I think that is important to mention as well, that even after a vaginal birth, you can still have a lot of pain. You know, even if you don't have stitches, you've got a lot of bruising, a lot of swelling. Like, you know, it's it. you might have hemorrhoids, you might have this, that and the other. You know, there's so many different factors that can play into it. And I think, you know, just, it, yeah, you've just got to be kind and gentle to yourself in those, yeah. in those first couple of weeks um, to recover. Wow, Dickie, this is so amazing. Thank you so much. You've given us so much information. No, not at all. Um, I was just trying to think if there's anything else. Um, what would be your kind of parting advice to mothers managing their pain, whether they're at home or in the hospital? I wrote down a couple of things here. Um, I think I think it's worthwhile sort of establishing what you would and wouldn't want. Like, you know, people talk about having a birth plan. I think it's, you know, it's definitely worthwhile. You know, if you definitely don't want something, then that's, you know, people take that on board and it's worth voicing that. Um, yeah. As we said before, try not to be too defined in what you you know um what you will and won't have you know um try and yeah. be flexible um because i think you will possibly set yourself up for some level of disappointment because what you thought um before might might completely change um your experience might be different to what you what you thought it would be um listen to the people around you, you know the midwives and the team you know they 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 do see a lot of births you know um, and there's a lot of experience there so so definitely listen to what they're they're saying there's a couple of really good websites. Um, the one I would probably steer towards is um, is one um, called Labour Pains, um, which is, um, I think it's written by the um, Association of Anaesthetists, the Obstetric Anaesthetists, or the OAA. Um, and it's it, okay. it's a really good um, website with loads of different links to um, bits and pieces about pain relief in labour and epidurals and all the rest of it. So there's lots of things to read. Um, the OAA are the kind of... Uh, go-to um, group um, of anaesthetists um, who who do a lot of, uh, of sort of um, uh, put out a lot of stuff um, in, in this kind of sphere. Um, so so that's that's definitely a good one to look at. Um, but there's loads of stuff out there. Thanks so much, Dickie. Yeah, thanks, Og. You're an absolute star. It's um yeah, it's been great, and I hope it's kind of given you a little little something to do in your quarantine. <laughs> Take care. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tinto Talks. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to Tinto Talks so that more mothers can find trustworthy answers to those burning questions. Have a wonderful week and thanks again for listening.